0: Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today's another fantastic day for an interview, and I've got Nicole Watson with me. Nicole is a suicide prevention superwoman, and when I read that about her, I knew I had to have her on my show. There was no two ways around it, because actually, depression is normal. Low mood is normal. Your lifetime chance of suffering from a major bout of depression is one in three. And it goes up if you suffer from chronic pain or if there are other things happening in your life that make you more likely to, to develop depression. So it is such a huge thing. And, and, and you know, suicidal thoughts, we find them shocking yet they are actually there for a large, large percentage of people around us right now. But it's one of the biggest taboos to actually talk about these things. So, Nicole, I'm so, so pleased. I'm so honored to have you on the show. I'm humbled because not many people dare to speak out when it really needs to be shouted from the rooftops. And that's what we do today. Nicole, welcome to my show.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: No, absolute pleasure. Nicole, when you were a young girl, you probably didn't grow up and say, hey, I want to be an influencer. I want to be a suicide prevention warrior. Uh, <laughs> that for sure not. What were your dreams? What, was your, what, was your, what did you always want to be when you grow up?
1: I wanted to be a teacher or I wanted to be a pilot.
0: Oh, excellent. (laughs) That's cool. Why pilot? I
1: don't know. I think it was because I never saw like a lot of um female pilots.
0: Ah.
1: So I just wanted to fly around all Excellent. day on planes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And did you, were you a young girl who was uh, following these dreams or were they just dreams? How, how was school? How was teenager years for you?
1: Well, I mean, the dream to be a teacher, definitely, because my grandma was a teacher. Uh-huh. So that was like, you know, nothing <laughs> to even really have to think about. but. Um, School was great. I've I've always been very smart. So, you know, I had a very easy time in school um, academically, emotionally, not so much. But academically, I was fine. So I was well on my way to being a teacher.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And how did that continue, that story?
1: So um, I ended up dropping out of college because my grandmother was sick. I had to take care of her. And, you know, sometimes when you have hardship in your life, it pushes you into something so much greater that you wouldn't even have known you had the ability to do had it not been for your hardship. So that's kind of what happened with me.
0: And it's it's the best laid plans (laughs) as soon as. As the universe gets hold of these plans and looks at what you think you're doing, I'm sure there's some mischievous gods up there who are looking down and say, Yeah, right. <laughs> Look at her. Look at her. That won't happen like that. And you just described the story that, that is virtually unique to every single guest I've got on this show. Uh, we all go through hardships, but it's what distinguishes men and women is how we deal with those hardships. And often enough, when they happen to us, we don't deal with them. How was that with you? Where, what were the dark moments? What, what, when did you lose your spark the first time?
1: Well, I had a lot of dark moments. In middle school. Middle school was like the hardest time in my life because I endure so much bullying. Like I was bullied for everything all the time and my teachers really weren't on my side. They considered me to be a problem child. It was just horrible and so um, from that age I just really struggled with my mental health. Um, I had to take a lot of mental health examinations. I had to go through a lot of being called a problem child. It was, it was just horrible. And so I would say that was the first time that I really knew that something was wrong. Because it was like I was crying out for help and everybody was stigmatizing me instead of helping me. So then I had the issue I was crying out about and now I have a new issue because everybody's treating me like Mm -hmm. I'm a terrible person, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm 14 Mm -hmm. trying to navigate life and not understanding what I need to be doing.
0: May I ask, how were you acting out or what was your way of shouting for help?
1: Being mean, um, because I had been bullied, I would come to school with an attitude I wouldn't want to do my work because I felt like any attention negative or positive is better than no attention so when I realized I wasn't getting positive attention subconsciously I was like well let me get negative attention because it's still you know attention
0: that's hard we're looking for connectiveness for not mm-hmm. for connection and yeah was your grandma still alive at that time? Because she would have been able to, to guide you there. She Did you speak out to people in your life about your struggles or was there no awareness of it at that time?
1: So my grandmother was 59 years old when I was born. So there was a huge hmm. age gap between hmm. us. So even when I would tell her things, she wouldn't always get it not because she didn't care but because there was such a such a gap you know in our ages and so she would help me as best she could with mm-hmm. the the knowledge that she had coming from the time where she came from yeah. she came from a time where nobody really expressed their feelings you know mm-hmm. so to her, I'm, I was just being a kid. I was just being a teenager. So um, I tell people, but I grew up in a very religious background. And so a lot of things, you know, are swept under the rug when you grow up in backgrounds like that. So after a while, you just learn that there's no need in talking about it um, because it's really not going to go anywhere.
0: And again, mm-hmm. that is, unfortunately, this generational gap that I think is is probably there to a stronger or lesser version around the world. It mm-hmm. is again and again, and it's certainly in my life. And right now, it's I mean, it's repeating itself because here we are, I'm 54, my children are 18 and 19, and there is again, there's my set of expectations how a life ought to be lived, um, with structure, with achieving goals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Whilst right now my next generation here, it is saying, well, they they have got a different different take on life. So again, even here with 20 years difference between them and me, um, it is uh, yeah, it is. I'm struggling, they are struggling. So I think it's a repeating. It's a repeating kind of story until until we are I don't know until there's no more humanity left on this on this earth um, so it's hard isn't it so 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 how did things go I mean you, here you were trying to act out trying to to get attention you got attention but all the wrong the wrong kind did the bullying stop when you changed your behavior
1: no. Mm-mm. Um, I was bullied on up until I graduated for different reasons um, at different times. And so I just learned to deal with it. Like, this is my life. This is, I'm weird or whatever. <laughs> so this is going to be my life. In um, middle school, I was in band. In high school, I was in marching band. And so when you're in marching band, it just gives you a family you know Mm. it gives you a place where you can be yourself and you can kind of move through the ranks of that particular system Mm. so even though i was bullied it wasn't it didn't bother me as bad because i had all this camaraderie you know with people Mm. in the music community oh beautiful what did you play everything so i started playing the clarinet and i literally moved through the band and played like every instrument there was
0: (laughs) <laughs> Which just shows that you have got abilities and skills of taking on new things that mm-hmm. are frightening for a lot of people around you, and no surprise that that you were bullied because if you are able to quickly pick up such things, you become a threat to the others you mm-hmm. become you become we call it in New Zealand the tall poppy syndrome um, if you sort of the poppy comes too high. Down comes the thing. We need to cut you down to the same level as us, because otherwise we feel too bad. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Are you still playing? Are you still still using music?
1: No. <laughs> and it's so sad, because I know
0: how to play, like, literally everything. <laughs> like but I never do. Oh, <laughs> because life, life gives you different challenges, so we all move mm-hmm. on, isn't it? It's the same here. I played the guitar, uh, I did, wrote a few songs and things like that. Nowadays, I simply have no longer got the time. Uh, and I rather choose, with the precious moments that I've got, I choose different, different uh, things to do. So, oh my goodness. So here you were, um, a very intelligent girl um, and very capable of a lot of things, trying to leave a mark on the world, trying to define yourself. And yeah, you finally graduated. You finally got rid of the bullies. How did the story continue?
1: So I changed bullies. So I went from having bullies at school to bullies at church so now i have a whole group of women in church bullying me um making accusations of me spiritually abusing me like it was horrible and so it was like jumping out of the pot into the frying pan here i am thinking oh i'm grown now it's over it wasn't over at all it was actually worse if i had to choose between my childhood bullying and my adult bullying, I would choose my childhood bullying. Like it was, it was horrible. And I think what made it so horrible was that, you know, these were the people that I looked to for guidance, but every time I turned around, they were putting me down. And so that's when my suicidal ideation became more and more.
0: And it's interesting, isn't it? There is. May I ask exactly where was where were you at the time, in which area of the States did you grow up there?
1: Oh, I grew up in North Carolina, eastern North Carolina. Hmm.
0: So strong religious community there where you mm-hmm. were and again tall poppy syndrome would be my educated guess there because the moment you you stand out uh, the moment people say no, that it can't be right you do don't know, there must be something wrong with her and then
1: uh-huh. it's <laughs> yeah and then i went to a church where there were a lot of older women mm-hmm. and when i say older i was like 20 and they were like 50 mm-hmm. So they're like, why is my husband looking at you? You must want my husband. Why is my, and it's like, ask your husband why he's looking at me. (laughs) Like, I'm, I'm young. I'm fresh meat. I'm not going to come here and dress like I'm 70 to keep your husband from looking at me. Tell your husband not to look at me.
0: (laughs) Oh God. Oh God. Um, yeah. so you were always a woman, therefore, who, who defined herself and I see you now, your hairstyle, the color you chose to wear. Um, you're a woman who stands up. You're a woman who, who does not, uh, hide. And again, that in many aspects is a threat to the women around you as well as uh, of course like a beacon uh, like fire to a flame uh, sorry like a flame to a moth to a flame this way round um for for men so oh did you find at that time in your 20s did you find an outlet or a group or a place where you truly felt at home where you could be yourself
1: no There was nowhere where I felt like I could be myself. So what I would do, Mm. I would just go to another church and I'd be there. Mm. And then something else would happen. People would be mad. People would be jealous. And it was just like everywhere I went, it was Mm. like a a fight. And so I I just assume, you know, you go through dysfunction so much. Eventually, you just think it's normal. You're like, well, maybe this is the way church is. So let me stop getting upset about it, you Mm. know.
0: How did your faith behave in its own right? Did you doubt your faith? Um, Because being disappointed with church easily can lead to being disappointed with God and with with your religion.
1: In my 20s, I had a very strong faith. Um, A lot of the reason that I wanted to kill myself sometimes had something to do with my faith because I was just like if I'm gonna end up with God anyway let's go skip the middleman skip the planet skip this beam me up Scotty let's go you know so some of my suicidal ideation came from that and then um the rest of the time my faith was really good um, I didn't have a crisis of faith until I was 30. So in my 20s, I was like spot on with my faith. Everything was, you know, church regardless. Because again, I felt like, well, maybe the dysfunction, maybe that's just what it is. Maybe I'm the one with the wrong expectations.
0: When you said that as a teenager, you had a lot of mental health examinations, may I ask what did they label you what did come out of these these examinations
1: when i was a kid they said i was bored
0: so adhd was that bunted around was that even a thing at that time
1: not no. really no. they just no. said i was bored and, and and you have to remember i'm very smart mm. So in my mind, you're not taking me to the crazy house and locking me up. So I, I know what to say <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to make you think I'm OK, because you're yeah. not going to lock me up. You know, yeah. and so they just said I was bored and they put me in more challenging classes.
0: And did that actually work?
1: It helped because I wasn't with the people, you know, who would be uh-huh. bullying me because they weren't as smart as me. So they weren't. You
0: know, there. So yeah, it helped a lot, honestly. Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so down the line, uh, did you have other brushes with the mental health system? Did you, actually in a positive way, did you seek counseling outside of the church? Did you, how did that go? Was there a support system that you could tap into?
1: So I started therapy when I was 23. And I have the same therapist today. I'm 36. Mm. (laughs) So I've had my therapist forever. Um, I started therapy. It helped me a lot. I learned that I had a lot of anger. Mm. I had a lot of abandonment issues. I had a lot of stuff going on with me. So, you know, nurturing my relationship with my therapist kept me grounded because I learned how to process through how I feel as opposed to feeling like I have to go get me a a church person to be my whatever I felt like I needed. I knew that I could sit with myself, you know, and be okay and work through it.
0: And maybe also to accept that thoughts are just thoughts. Mm-hmm. To to not feel guilty and ashamed about negative emotions, which was a thing for me. I was trying to live this picture-perfect life where I had these huge expectations of myself, and the moment I felt sad or angry and resentment, please, I I should wear the T-shirt, I am resentment. That was me in the past. Um, The moment I had these feelings, I felt guilty about them. I felt ashamed about them. And I think that was something I didn't learn for a long time, that it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. It's it's normal not to be okay. You can't be always on that perfect, yeah, I feel good, like advertisements sort of make you believe. And if you don't feel good, just have another Coke, because then you feel good, or whatever it is that... that we then, in our subconscious mind, uh, try to to go to give me a cigarette, give me a joint, give me alcohol, give me what I kind of anything else that takes the pain away. So you had you had you struggled with your with the churches, with the the, the groups of people that you shared your religion with. Uh-huh. You struggled with. How, what, how did work look like? Um, where did money come from at that time?
1: What I worked a look? lot. I loved working. So, you know, I would get a call center job and they would have unlimited overtime and I would work from the time they opened to the time they closed because I loved, you know, work and money. So that became um, something that really kept me grounded, you know, mm. just being able to go out and make money and... Mm. And, and at work, you know, you're rewarded for your accomplishments. You get a better schedule. You yeah. get bonuses. And so I didn't feel as despondent because I knew if I put in, I would get rewarded and I would be appreciated.
0: This is beautiful, isn't it? That is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what we want. We want to avoid pain and we want reward. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's as simple as that. And here you found an outlet, which is beautiful. So you defined yourself by your work. You worked hard, which is good for the money and good for the soul. But Mm -hmm. again, that, of course, if that is your only outlet, uh, then burnout time. (laughs) So how long did it take for your first burnout to arrive on the scene? (laughs)
1: Probably about two years and I was just like I have all this money I can't go anywhere because I work every day I can't like I'm just like what am I doing
0: (laughs) exactly (laughs) this
1: can't be my life I get up every day I work from seven in the morning to eleven at night so I can have money to do what
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly so you Mm -hmm. figure oh hang on that doesn't work (laughs) <laughs> so so the work life balance we need to work on that at that moment in your life <laughs> so so what happened i mean here you were finally it, things looked up you had a you had probably not such a nice feeling about your past now you felt good and now was the next burnout coming and that can't be good for the soul that can't be good for your uh for any thoughts in your head
1: mhm uh-uh. Because I felt like, you know, what's the purpose of my life? The purpose of my life can't be get up, go to work, come home. Like, what what am I supposed to be doing? And so um, a lot of times I would feel depressed because I felt like if I didn't have this job, if I didn't have, you know, whatever, who would I be or what would I have? So that was a really, it was a good time, but it was also a kind of tough time because I really didn't have a handle on, what I was doing and who I was.
0: How did it continue? How did you get yourself out of that, that hole or, I mean, was there anyone that helped you? Was there anyone that could guide you?
1: So my therapist was a big help. My grandma was a huge help in my life. Um, When my grandma died, my grandma died when I was 26. It was, December 15th, 2010. It'll be 10 years this year. Um, It forced me to grow up. It forced me to say, you know, who are you? Because before, I had my grandma. I had my grandma's name. I could always call her when I was in trouble. She would come and rescue me and I never had to worry. So then she's gone and I'm like, wow. Like, what do I do? You know? Um, And so that awakened something in me that let me know like you have to make a life for yourself because my grandmother was the way that she was because she made a life for herself you know and so that pushed me into um wanting to make my own impact i remember when my grandma died people were coming up to me saying your grandma put me in through college and told me to never tell a soul And this is my first time, you know, speaking on it. Now that she's gone, she can't like get me. (laughs) Um, My God bought people cars, paid people's medical bills, um, you know, paid for people to have Christmas with their family, fed people, you know, stuff I never knew about. And so it just inspired me, like, what type of legacy do you want to leave and what do you want to do? And so from there... um, I started really thinking about like, what do you want to do? And I ended up, um, getting into suicide prevention, probably two, two years after that.
0: Wow. Wow. And of course the, you knew very well those dark voices and those dark demons. So therefore like all of us who have been in the darkness, we, know how important even the smallest piece of light the smallest candle is in that darkness because we 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 have been there and we thought there is no hope there is no no nothing left and i can always repeat i can only repeat now guys out there if you feel like that that is it's wonderful that you're listening to this podcast or watch this video because Nicole and myself, we've been there. We have been in those dark places and look at us now. Look at us now. We have got sort of our shit together. I say sort of because I'm still working on it. (laughs) and and I will continue to work on it until I'm dead. There's no doubt about that, but we have managed to get through those dark moments and are now living lives where we can put things in place so that those dark okay. moments are less likely to happen. But when they do happen, then we accept them for what they are, temporary pity parties that okay. from now and then, I just, I just, there are days when I feel really down and I give myself permission to actually lie in the fetal position and feel sorry for myself, and that's okay. I okay. can't be there. I can't be bouncy and happy and gorgeous every single moment of, the, of my life. It, it's, it's impossible. There will be highs, and I celebrate them, and there will be lows. And to a certain degree, I celebrate them too because it just shows me that I'm actually a human being. And that's me, That's I can't get rid of that. And whilst I do not enjoy them, they ground me. And they tell me, hey, look, this is, life is not always a box of birds or whatever your description is. And, and the media and advertisement and social media, all this positivity, uh, yeah. Yeah, about that, (laughs) isn't it? (laughs) So suicide prevention. How? So when you said you got into that, did you start working in a helpline, or did you? How did? How did your journey there go?
1: So um, a young girl named Dominique Chandler, she died by suicide at William and Mary University, and it made the news. And I was like, cause it was like, they had a lot of suicides that year. And I was like, this is sad because she was so beautiful, so smart, just an amazing girl from what I read. Mm-hmm. And it didn't sit well with me. And I was like, I don't like this. And so I had a conference call with one of her mentors and we talked about suicide. And then the next year I was like, you know what? I'm gonna tell my story so i made a long video on youtube this was back in the day youtube and um i posted it like nine thousand people watched it and i posted on facebook and all that and so i had like 50 50. half of the people were like you're crazy quit telling your business you're a preacher. Don't be out here telling people that you wanted to kill yourself, and then everybody else was like, "Oh my God, this is amazing! I felt the same way. I didn't know how to tell nobody." Blah, blah blah. So, what ended up happening was, whenever people would be suicidal, mm-hmm. they would come to me, or whenever they would know somebody who was suicidal, they would send them mm-hmm. to me. And the next thing I know, I'm like, "Well, wait, wait a minute! Like, I'm really out here doing this, like." I need to make this a thing. So what do I do? And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to start a nonprofit. Because, you know, that's what you do. You start a nonprofit and then you just, because you want to help people and you don't want to seem like you're, you know, selling your help. And so you get a nonprofit. And then that was just kind of like, I need something else to go with this nonprofit. So it evolved into me having um, the business that I have now. And I've been doing what I do now for probably about five years, but I just transitioned to the corporate side uh, in Q3 of this year because of the pandemic.
0: And it is so important that there are people like you out there who call a spade a spade because it is we need to be honest and we need to be transparent. And that is something that everyone who has been there knows the importance of, yet the vast majority of the population uh, is still hiding and is still is completely blown away when there are people like you and me talking honestly about mental health. And uh, it is, you know, whenever I gave a talk to, to the people in my hospital, etc., about addiction or mental health, it was packed to the rafters and inevitably people would quietly come to me and would say oh uh can i have a word and i remember it's uh this year start of this year i had just written my my steps to sobriety in my book uh which is a, a lot about mental health and a lot about living a beautiful beautiful life but it touches the depression and all these kind of things i I had just written that, and I had, uh, it had not yet been published, so it was, I came back to work, got changed in the changing room, a fellow surgeon came in, oh, how are you? Oh, well, Christmas, what did you do? I said, oh, I wrote a book. He said, oh, what about? And I said, oh, alcohol my steps to sobriety. He looked at me and said, what did you do that for? And I thought, what, what? That's a weird thing. And I said, well, just because that is my journey and therefore I I, I, I wrote that. Then he didn't say a thing and he started working in another theater. Uh, a few hours later, I had a text on my phone, Stefan, can we talk? And it turns out that he had just lost his wife due to alcohol. And here he was, an upstanding, Top guy, everyone was looking up to him. But here he had all these demons. Here he had all these kind of the darkness in him that he never admitted to. And that was that, that little scene was such an eye opener for me to tell me that there are so many people around us who suffer from addiction, who suffer from mental health problems, where depression is there, and who have had suicidal ideations. And we, it's really, really, really hard. It's really hard, there's the stigma, there is the the, the the kind of taboo to talk about it. There are the fears when you speak out about it. I think, oh my God, what will happen? Will that impact on my career? Will that impact on my life? Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard. If you have got a firearms license because you're a sports shooter, etc., will now suddenly that you speak out, and seek help, does that mean they will cancel your license? Uh, little things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and here in New Zealand, we, we are hunters. There's a lot of people have firearms licenses. And, 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 and rifles and, and going and, and hunting deer is part and parcel of, of many lives. So here you go. Will they speak out? Uh, probably not. So there are lots of little hurdles there mm-hmm. that, that prevent people from seeking help. And that's why it is so important that you are there and actually are able to talk uh, honestly about your journey and give people hope and, and go with them. So it is it's great. So you have you've have basically gone out there and found your niche. you found your your place where you can actually share your story, which is so beautiful, and at the same time also bring some money in put some, some butter on your bread, so to speak. And uh, I'm really, really, really pleased for you. So if people yeah. want to know more about what you do, um, it, it, how do they find you? Where can they get all of you?
1: So my website is Nicole Watson.com. It's N-A-K-O-L-E-W-A-T-S-O-N.com. And um, that's pretty much where I hang out. I hang out on Instagram. Uh-huh sometimes so instagram is being kind of iffy right now so the best place to find me is on my website
0: cool and guys you have got the information down there but i think it is so important that you realize guys there is help out there and if if the darkness is really so hard and these thoughts are really there then please 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 Stop the interview right now here and, and go straight to a helpline. Now, we are international here. You, you can hear uh, and watch this video everywhere in the world. So it's impossible for me to give you all the helplines that are in each country, in each area around the world. But please, 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 if you have got a family physician or a GP, then see your doctor because they are are your your prime resource. This person knows you and has hopefully, knows your past, your medical past, and might be able to look very carefully at you. Mm -hmm. Guys, sometimes dark thoughts, they just come out of the blue and they are there. And sometimes dark thoughts, depression, suicidal ideation comes because there's something wrong in your body. So there are very good biological reasons why you feel down. As an example, the thyroid gland here in your neck, if that is underactive, you feel like crap, you feel very dark. So there are certain things where really you might need a bit of thyroid hormone and suddenly the dark thoughts are gone. Okay, so, because of that, because of those secondary depressions, as we call them, it's so important that you see a doctor if you feel down and are honest with this person. They check you out. there might be something that a simple top up of vitamins or or certain things can help you. so that should be a first port of call okay um, but if the if the the darkness is so bad, then then please just quick Google search suicide prevention helpline um, and just call that number. Call that number there. They are happy to talk you through that dark moment there right now and and help you work through it. And then you go to your GP to your family physician, get the work up, then see what path of treatment and and self-help can be best for you because there's so many things that you can do. And again, big message there guys. There's so much you can do to work with your the dark moments and, and, and get you better. So, uh, there, but not everyone is at the extreme end. So there's so many people who are sort of in the gray area and that's not a nice area to be. And for that, Nicole, that's, that's something that you can help with tremendously. Um, When you, when people get hold of you or get in touch with you, what is your approach? How do you work with people? What is, do you have sort of a a stepwise move or what, what do you do?
1: So because I'm certified, you know, I do try to stick with what I was taught, right? But I always make sure that the person is safe and then I listen to them. A lot of people are suicidal because no one listens to them. Mm -hmm. So it all gets pinned up inside of them and then they just explode and they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, Um, I have saved a lot of people just by putting my phone on speakerphone, sitting it down on the table and listening to them. Mm -hmm. Fuss, Mm -hmm. curse, scream cry, Mm -hmm. yell, throw Mm -hmm. stuff, whatever you need to do to get it out. (laughs) Like, you know, and then from there, I tell them, okay, you need to go to therapy because I'm not a therapist. Mm -hmm. So um, I help them figure out what therapy will work best for them. I tell them, you know, what to ask, what to expect. Um, A lot of times I tell people, you know, you need to call, the hotline and you need to talk to them mm-hmm. just to kind of figure out what's available in your area mm-hmm. because i don't always know you know what i mean and so i really just try to point people um to the the right resources that they need but i come in as like a middle person because a lot of people aren't able to say I need therapy, I'm going to therapy. Because then it's like, what is my boss gonna say? Am I gonna get fired? Is my boss gonna think I'm not able to do my job? And so when people come to me, I'm able to help them to navigate. This is what you have to disclose. This is what you don't have to disclose. These are the programs available right through your job. And they won't tell your boss what you you know, said to them. And so I've, I'm like the person who keeps the person together and see we can get them to wherever they
0: need to go like the conductor in an orchestra you're basically you're and that's that's what a good social worker does that's what a good psychologist does this, these are people who can can work with you guys out there and to actually guide you through the maze of of things that are out there there are, you will be amazed how much is actually available to you. Uh-huh. But you, you, you just don't know because you never looked into it. And uh-huh. that's, after all, that's not your job, but it's the job of people like Nicole and, and, and other psychologists and health coaches, etc. So there are people out there who are sort of the, the, the miracle workers in a background because they, they can listen to you and they can uh, guide you. It's as simple as that. The the other thing to be said is nowadays what what happened with COVID is that we have got uh, people like Nicole coming online and are being available online. Now, if you're worried that anyone could possibly find out that that you're in a dark place and you don't want that, well, how much more anonymous can you be than to speak to someone in North Carolina? Come on. So, I mean, it is, so, so come on. So, there is actually a blessing in disguise because you can truly work anonymously uh, through that. You, you don't have to leave your your house. You can actually seek the initial steps of therapy by actually just being on your computer or okay. on your phone. So, please, again, I want to highlight here that help is there. Hope is there. Light is there. You just can't see it at the moment. And that is so important. We all, all all of us who have been in that spot know how dark it is. So it's, there is no two ways around. We have, we have been there. We know you're suffering. But look at us now. It's not that that something magic has happened. Well, actually magic has happened because someone showed us the light. Mm -hmm. Somehow, we saw that light and we got the help that we needed. And that's the most beautiful thing. We learned how to deal with the negative emotions. And I think that's the key ingredient. So yes, there will always be negative things, but we learn how to deal with them. We learn how to accept them. We learn how to love each other. What's and all. Not just the pretty side. Do <laughs> Not just that. No, 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 no. Um, Life is too short. And make the most out of, out of each and every second. And the only way you can do that is by accepting that there, some of these seconds are dark. And, you know, there is help out there. Nicole is there right now. Just look down there into the, uh, into the description of the video and of, the, um, of our uh, podcast. You yeah, have got the information there. So let's not be silly. It is, it is, it's time to look after yourself. And uh-huh. in order to do so, you need to recognize that you're not okay. And you need to recognize that it's okay not to be okay. So important. So Nicole, I'm, I'm so, so pleased that, that you were so honest about your journey today, that you shared all that with us, uh, because it's, it's the hardest thing. To speak out, to to be honest about yourself, and that is that truly makes you a heroine. That truly makes you a superwoman. So I think here, the title that uh, that you suggested to me uh, about your journey is hundred percent correct, full on on the button. Uh, because yeah. You, you have become uh, a superwoman because you have done the hardest thing possible on earth, which is to love yourself. Mm-hmm. And for that, I, I am so grateful, so humbled that you were with me today.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: No, an absolute honor, absolute pleasure. Nicole, you look after yourself and you guys out there, look after yourself seek the help that you deserve don't accept the darkness there is light somewhere you just you just need to just sort of pull a little bit the curtains away and suddenly oh there is something uh and that something might manifest itself in in the weirdest and wonderful ways Uh, so just be open be open to change and be open to to new opportunities that might suddenly change the world irreversibly Uh, Because once you see the light again, you aim, you go towards that light and you take steps, active steps, that you decide you don't want to be there anymore. You take active steps and suddenly you're in the sunlight and you will move towards that. So suddenly this energy and you will grow. You can't see it now, but it will. And you're going to be, ah, the new you is waiting to be discovered. Uh, But you need a bit of help there. And Nicole might just be the woman who can help you. So you guys out there, thank you so much for, for joining me on this interview. And look after yourself. Bye.